Hello and welcome to Following the Rules. This is a podcast about the rules shaping UK and EU financial services and the people responsible for understanding and implementing them. Because in one of the world's most regulated sectors, following the rules isn't always easy. I'm your host, financial journalist Lucy McNulty, and every episode I'll be asking the most influential personalities in financial regulation for their input on the sector's most pressing issues. Compliance teams should be far more heavily involved with the tech teams. They should be advising the type of products that are allowed to be used and understanding what they can and cannot do. Today's episode is a special one produced in association with Smash, a global technology firm providing regulated organisations of all sizes with cloud-native digital communications capture, retention and oversight solutions to help them identify regulatory and reputational risks within their communications data before those risks become fines or headlines. Today's guest details what he believes will be this year's most pressing challenges for compliance professionals tasked with monitoring their employees' communications. As part of that, he offers guidance to compliance teams navigating the rapid proliferation of AI tools within the financial services sector, as well as to those responding to regulatory pressures to more closely track their employees' use of encrypted messaging apps like WhatsApp, Signal and Telegram. He details how he expects communication surveillance compliance will develop in response to the challenges 2024 brings, and plenty more besides. Sean Hurst is Smarsh's principal regulatory advisor for Europe, the Middle East and Africa. Hi, Sean. Welcome to Following the Rules. Hi, Lucy. To start, it would be great if you could give us a bit of a run through of Smash for any of the listeners that don't know about the company. What does it do? Where has it come from and where is it heading? Sure. Well, Smash is at its heart a communications intelligence platform. We play a pivotal role in helping financial institutions navigate in the evolving landscape of compliance and information archiving. That's the core of it. But our real focus is on digital communications compliance, and it's more crucial than ever, especially in the current state of play. The increasing integration of AI and digital assets in the financial sector is really creating a far bigger interest in what we do. What Smash is to the financial services or, or regulated industry, it's a core product that allows them to be able to communicate effectively with their clients and do it in a way that is compliant with what the regulations are asking. Our client base it's huge. We're in most of the top 100 banks globally. We're definitely in the top 10 in some way or other, whether it's just communications capture, whether it's our surveillance, there's some aspect of it used in most big financial institutions. Okay. And you mentioned that the proliferation of AI tools and the growth of digital assets has spiked interest in Smash's service offering, which I'm keen to delve into to determine as to why that is. But before we go there, what would you say are the top three compliance challenges ahead for those in the financial services sector in 2024? What are your clients most concerned about? One of the things that people are very concerned about is the AI compliance piece. As we all know, since November 2022, when ChatGPT came out, that sparked a massive rise in the interest in AI. There are thousands of different models, different interfaces now out there, some that are probably more complex than ChatGPT, but ChatGPT is definitely the blaze the trail. And it's going to affect a lot of how we do business and also how we communicate. AI compliance, not only from the providing compliance using AI, but also providing compliance for AI-generated content. That's going to be important, I think, in the coming year and beyond 2024. It is quite interesting because typically financial institutions don't embrace new technology very quickly. They normally wait a little while, they test the waters. Things like cloud, that took, what, 10 years for some companies to even consider adopting. 
But AI comes along and I'm seeing financial services embracing this very, very quickly. And not just the little things like Copilot, which we've seen from Microsoft, but you've already seen companies like JPMC last year providing robo-advisors, right? So they have AI bots helping their advisors in terms of providing commentary or insight into their products and help with what they're providing to their customers. The next one, non-financial risk management is something that people are going to increasingly be looking at. Smart has always considered that non-financial risk is a real risk, right? But sometimes companies don't want to put money behind things that they don't have to put money behind. So when it's not a regulated requirement. However, the FCA are seeing these non-financial risks being something that needs to be looked at by these companies. And when we talk about non-financial risk, we're talking about the, the general culture and people, the conduct within a company, adhering to the values of a company. And we're going to see that that is going to be more and more important to people, not only to the staff internally, right? But also it's the outside view, right? You don't want to do business with a company that doesn't value their internal culture. They don't look into things like bullying or harassment or intimidation within their company, and they don't look at resolving any problems like that. So I think 2024, we're going to see a a bit of a shift into people placing more value on that non-financial risk management. And of course, Smash already provide tools to that effect. We already do things like provide AI models that allow you to do surveillance against things like bullying and and identifying language that might be around that area. Another one, this is just a continuing theme, I think, is the encrypted messaging app use. We saw massive fines a couple of years back into the billions around the use of WhatsApp. And we're going to see more financial services firms monitoring these encrypted messages apps and making sure that people are talking in a way that upholds the values of the company, right? That is respectful and a way that's not going to get into reputational risk areas. We're going to see companies outside of those regulated firms also start to look at that. We already are seeing interest because obviously this is our bread and butter. Okay. Well, thank you, Sean. That's very interesting. And you mentioned JPMC, so that's JP Morgan Chase, a US headquartered banking giant. And you mentioned Copilot. Could you explain what that is for those that might not be familiar? So Copilot, this is one of the most interesting spaces for us. It's certainly going to be very useful for financial services. So think of it as a digital assistant. It's very intelligent. There's various forms of Copilot. The one I'm talking about is Microsoft Office Copilot. Basically, it is your assistant. Let's say you and I are having this meeting right now. At the end of the meeting, the Copilot would have taken all the transcription of what we've just said. It'll summarize it, probably send us each an email. If there were any action items that we mentioned during this chat, then it would create a calendar entry automatically that will look at your time, my time, see where we can fit something in. It'll create a task list. It's fantastic. It'll even draft emails for you. It's incredible what it can actually do. The thing is, all that is creating more content. When you hear about the developments of these AI tools and the proliferation of these AI tools within the financial services sector at quite a rapid pace, you do think that there is a lot of new content being pushed out here for firms that are just still getting to grips with the tools themselves and won't have the processes in place to potentially fully understand the volumes of content coming out, let alone the tools in place to analyze and see risks developing within that content. Right. And more content, especially when it comes to the communication side of things, you've got two challenges when it comes to that. The content that gets created, number one, it needs to be stored somewhere. 
especially if you are in a regulated industry like financial services. So you need to make sure that you can scale to store that information. Number two, you need to have some oversight as to what is being generated. It's not infallible. As clever as it is, it can still make mistakes. And what's currently happening with compliance is where you are monitoring communications of employees, especially employees that are regulated, your traders, people that are interacting with clients, because there's so much more content. And there's not necessarily going to be a doubling of staff in the compliance areas to monitor all this content. You need to be able to monitor this in a far more intelligent and efficient manner. So that's where you're using AI inside these models for surveillance to make sure that you're bringing up fewer false positives and also false negatives that you're mitigating against those. So from Smarsha's perspective, those are the two key pillars for us. Okay. How would you expect the skill set of the compliance function to change as AI tools bed down in the sector? That's a great question. I would see it that people would need to become far more tech savvy. Um, that's an obvious one, but I think that's been an ongoing trend for a long, long time. You can't be a compliance officer without having some technical knowledge. All the tools that they use today are obviously digital. Making sure you know what's happening, what a large language model is, what it does, what, what its limitations are, what to look out for with generated content, understanding things like bias when it comes to AI, and making sure that that isn't coming across in the content that's being created. The compliance teams should be far more heavily involved with the tech teams. They should be advising the type of products that are allowed to be used and understanding what they can and cannot do. For example, forget the AI piece, but when Microsoft Teams came out, there's so much functionality in Microsoft Teams. It's not just chat. It's not just video chat even, but it's a full suite of products. There's whiteboarding. There's the ability to have group chats. There's just simple things like emojis or reacting to a comment. Now, that's all great, and it gives you a fantastic tool on the front end. But from a compliance officer's perspective, if that data isn't being captured in a way that is maintaining the context of all these messages, so much can be lost. So if I'm a trader, for example, and I'm messaging my client services team, and I say, hey, I'm interested in this client that I'm trying to onboard. Do you think that I can go ahead? Is a risk level correct? And the person might not come back and say, yes, the risk level looks great to me. You can go ahead with it. They might just put a thumbs up on the post, right? And that is going to be accepted by any sort of judge as a yes, a confirmation. Now, that's a simple example. Hopefully, people aren't making statements like that over chat. But these sort of things do happen. And it could be part of a bigger investigation where you need to understand the context of these things. And that's something that when we take into account now with the AI piece, Capturing this stuff in context and in full richness is going to be important. Understanding, firstly, that it came from AI, that's important, but also what is producing, how it's producing it, and having a, a view of that content on the front end from the compliance side. They're going to need to have the skill set to understand all that and to understand what they do need and also maybe what they don't need, right? So number one is get closer with your tech teams, make sure that you're involved in the decision-making process. And number two, just try and keep up at least a basic knowledge of the stuff that is coming out nearly daily. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you expect regulators to respond to the compliance challenges you foresee arising as AI usage becomes increasingly popular in the financial services industry? The FCA have been quite measured with this, and I've been impressed with their response. The knee-jerk reaction you'd expect is that they would just put a hold on everything. Don't use it. Let's wait until we understand more. Similar to what financial services would do in the past with any new technology. But the FCA have been 
very open with the fact that they want to encourage the use of technology that's going to help companies be more efficient, help them with their competitive advantage. So they haven't put any strict rules in place. Their statement is basically the existing regulations cover off what this new generation of AI is doing, right? And just make sure you adhere to these regulations. Sounds simple enough, but that means on the back end, you need to think about it's generating this content. If there's no oversight internally on your regulated individuals and they're just sending out this content blindly, you could be at risk, right? It's quite easy to manipulate these AI models. So I think the FCA will give more advice through this year. I think they're keeping an eye on things. If it starts becoming a little bit of the Wild West out there with these tools, they might jump in. Mm-hmm. Okay. The UK's first minister for AI and intellectual property, Viscount Jonathan Camrow, said in November that there would be no UK law on AI in the short term because the government was concerned that heavy-handed regulation could curb industry growth. And that comes even as the EU, US and China are pushing forward with new measures. Is that a mistake on the UK's part, do you think? I don't think so. The mistake there is if they do it without thinking about what the impact is, right? If there was that knee-jerk reaction, you could really stifle the innovation. And we got to think about it from the UK's perspective. We don't want to fall behind. We want to be on the forefront of innovation around AI. Right now, it's not really coming from the UK, is it? It's coming from the US. And China is coming up with some interesting stuff as well. So I think it's the right approach, but hopefully they're keeping a close eye on things because it is turning into a little bit of the Wild West. There are thousands and thousands of applications every week that are brought out with new AI functionality in it. And it can be confusing for people. So we do need to have some sort of guardrails around this at some point, but it would be a mistake to do it too soon because it is evolving so quickly. Okay. Is there anything that you believe regulators and lawmakers are missing here? Not especially because of the intelligence of these AI tools beyond just text generation, which is mainly what we've been talking about here. There's also voice generation. I'd go to one of your podcasts, take a sample of your voice, and I could recreate it. And I could be making an AI model sound exactly like you, saying exactly what I wanted to say. That stuff is scary. We've already seen deep fakes with video generation. You can take samples of you in video and recreate it alarmingly accurately. And I think That is where things get a bit interesting, right? It's beyond financial services. We saw some strikes last year from some writers in Hollywood and also some actors because they're concerned about this, right? There was a a proof of concept made for somebody that took a bunch of the South Park episodes and they put it through a large language model and they were able to generate a full brand new episode of South Park that was fully AI generated, the script, the voices, the visuals, everything, and it looked convincingly real. I think guidance around that sort of stuff is going to be interesting. And I think it will apply to financial services as well. If we're talking about creating new product lines within the banks, there there might be some plagiarism that comes around there. So we might see some cases of that coming up, right? What data are you feeding this large language model to be able to generate these new products? If you're using your own data, that's great. But what if you're using other companies' data? It's a major problem because you don't really have the right to use that data to train up these models. But there is no guidance around that just yet. Mm -hmm. So that will be an interesting thing to watch over 2024 and 2025. So it's a fascinating area. It's something we're just going to have to see how it evolves over the next year or two. Mm -hmm. And it's always alarming when you hear of 
examples of egregious use of AI tools like that South Park example, because once you're hearing stories like that, that use case is out there, the horse is bolted, so to speak. So there's very much a rapid skilling up required of regulators, policymakers, lawmakers as well, to ensure that they are fully cognizant of the risks embedded within these tools. Absolutely. You asked what sort of skills should compliance teams be looking at developing? It's not just compliance teams, it's everyone. Right. Everybody needs to be aware of what's going on and how these products work and not blindly accept them. At the same time, the people in power, the regulators, they need to understand these products because you can't create new regulations. You can't create guidance unless you understand exactly what's happening. Okay. You also mentioned non-financial risk as being an increasing concern amongst your client base, rather managing and tracking that non-financial risk by which you're referring to non-financial misconduct, which is the misbehavior of regulated financial services workers outside of an individual's day-to-day responsibilities in the workplace. It's something that the UK's markets watchdog, the Financial Conduct Authority, has recently made clear that they are intending to clamp down on. They have given a fair bit of guidance in speeches and most recently in their diversity and inclusion papers, which they put out in conjunction with the Prudential Regulation Authority to make clear what behaviour they think that firms should be alert to and how that would impact their assessment as to whether or not an individual is fit and proper to do their job. What regulatory action do you expect in 2024 in relation to non-financial misconduct and how can financial services executives best prepare for that? There'll be far more awareness. Obviously, the FCA have made some statements about it, but they're going to be looking into this. And like you said, they're going to be providing guidance of what the expectation is, right, of these firms. We've talked about AI. That's creating even more work for compliance officers. Do compliance officers have the capacity to be monitoring things outside of financial misconduct? We need to make sure that you're putting products in place that allow you to do that in an efficient manner. You can't go and spot check every email. So putting in place some surveillance models that are able to detect this type of non-financial misconduct is important, but it's also very difficult. You can't do it the way that people in the past might have done by using lexicon, right? So detecting certain words or phrases, maybe detecting all swear words, maybe detecting certain hate language. That's not necessarily going to help because it's easy to be racist to someone without actually saying certain words. So making sure that you have models in place that are able to detect intent of language that's important. And that's something we work hard on at Smarsh on developing. We provide the ability to do lexicon-based surveillance and lexicon-based compliance. But the big thing for us is around models and being able to detect the intention of what is being said and the context of what's been said. So I think it's massively important to go down that road. We all know there are toxic environments out there. We all know that there are departments that don't necessarily have the type of environment that's conducive to good work or a happy employee. And those things need to be monitored for, especially in these larger companies. When you have a company that's 100,000 staff, how do you keep on top of the general well-being of your staff? So that's something I think people will have to think about going forward. And these things are going to become more public. It's not great to have to go and put out a public apology out into the world, right? And I don't think banks want to be doing that either. And if these things do start becoming more and more public, the general culture of a company, number one, reputational risk is still a massive concern for banks. People don't want to bank with a bank that doesn't have a great reputation. Staff, you know, new employees. I don't want to work for a bank that necessarily has a reputation that isn't great. People are choosing where they work based on more than just money these days. They're looking at their green credentials. They're looking at the culture, the work ethic. And 
people need to take that into consideration. Okay. And you also mentioned encrypted messaging app use and the need to monitor for any egregious use cases as being an ongoing concern amongst your client base. And obviously this has been a long running compliance challenge for the financial services sector. It's been likened to that common fairground game whack-a-mole because as soon as you develop tools to monitor use of one particular messaging app, say WhatsApp, then the egregious activity just moved to another platform that is not so easily trackable. Regulatory clampdown on encrypted messaging app use in the US has already taken place and a similar clampdown from UK watchdogs has long been expected. Do you expect that to come to fruition in 2024 and what can UK based financial services compliance teams learn from their US counterparts here? I don't put it past our regulators to put out fines if something is discovered but they're not going to give you specific guidance around these encrypted apps. As far as they're concerned it's still communication right in MIFID 2 it stipulates that all communications that could potentially lead to a trade whether the trade happens or not need to be captured including face to face so a lot of these firms are global firms right especially the ones we work with they're learning as the us are learning we're actually probably a bit more ahead of the game here in the uk than in the us we tend to jump forward with trying to resolve these issues before they become too much of an issue one of the key things we've seen a couple of my clients have already done this but many more are already going down this route. We saw a big shift to bring your own devices. So BYOD a few years back, where individuals were changed from a company provided iPhone, for example, to own the device, manage the device, and it's your responsibility. That is shifting back again because of the fines that we saw a couple of years back. It wasn't just the one company. We were talking majority of companies. Probably one out of 10 that I've spoken to are not shifting back. So I'm sure we'll see more of that happening over 2024 with a couple of companies. We're talking like, you know, 20,000 phones or 50,000 phones being bought all at once. So it's an expensive endeavor, but it's far cheaper than paying billion dollar fines. It also means there's a lot of work that needs to be done because there's more oversight on those devices. Like you say, while there are solutions like Smash provide a solution to capture not just WhatsApp and WeChat, but also Telegram and Signal and all these other products. The challenge is it is whack-a-mole because I can just go and install another chat application. But if the device is owned by their corporation, it can be monitored. So number one, you have to make sure that the person is switching on that phone. So you need to have some way to monitor that the device has been activated one bank, they found something like 70% of the phones that were sent out weren't even switched on within the first month. And that's not on, right? The second one is making sure that people are actually using it for communications. So what you can do is make sure that you have an option. It's like, okay, you can use WhatsApp, but it needs to be done in this manner. It needs to be used via this app using this phone number. And we need to have an affirmation from yourself that any WhatsApp communications that you're making is done through this device that is monitored and we're able to see what's going on because you shouldn't be trading. You shouldn't be speaking to clients, shouldn't be given advice unless that is recorded, right? Now, most of the time, traders are going to be more than happy with that, right? Because that means that they are being held accountable and they're able to also have a defense in case a customer comes and says, hey, he made me promises about this product. He's able to say, well, check my messages. You can see that isn't the case. If somebody is really wanting to go out of their way to do something wrong or something that is not being monitored, they can do it. There's no way you can really mitigate against that. All you can do is try and provide as much guidance as possible that allows people to use these things, gives them an easy channel to go down to be able to use these sort of products in a way that is compliant. And if you look at what happened with the big fines in the U.S., 
it wasn't about people trying to hide these communications. It was the fact that there wasn't any framework provided to be able to capture all these communications. There was no real easy channel for these individuals to use in a compliant way. You can't say, well, there's no way we can capture it all, so we're just not going to capture anything because it just costs too much money to do it. You can't do that either, right? Because you need to give them an option. Because if they don't have an option, they'll go and make their own option. We, we have long conversations with our clients around the specific use cases and how they want to do it. But you can't just say you cannot use WhatsApp. That doesn't fly because those banks that were fined, the billions of fines that came out two years ago, they had policies in place that said you weren't allowed to use those communication channels for business-related conversations. Didn't matter. The regulator said that that's not good enough. There needs to be something done beyond that. So something that we do at Smash is when you're running surveillance, you're looking for gaps in communication. So if, for example, I'm messaging you on Teams, and then I say at the end of that, listen, I'll message you in, in a few minutes, right? And then three hours later, there's another message, and it happens to continue the conversation, but there's some parts missing in between. How do you monitor for that? Because those parts in between were probably done via WhatsApp or by some other application or some off-channel communication. The obvious example there is, hey, I'll message you on WhatsApp. That's an easy one, right? And if you aren't monitoring for it, then where's that continuation of the conversation? And that sort of tracking and monitoring is hugely important. And then the way we're going at Smash is to be able to help you with those use cases. And I think that's what the regulators are going to expect from people, to be identifying the gaps that are available to see whether something is happening or not. It's not necessarily the actual action. It's maybe just what's happening around that action. Okay. And we've discussed AI, non-financial misconduct, and encrypted messaging apps as well. What's next? What are the blind spots that we're missing? And where does communication surveillance go from here? I'll answer that in two parts. And number one, little something to keep an eye on is digital assets, crypto assets. We're going to see more talk of digital asset strategies. So we have European crypto asset regulation coming in, so the Markets and Crypto Assets Regulation, or MICA. And we're going to see some more milestones and deadlines happening this year as well. So firms that are trading in these digital assets, they need to make sure that they are adhering to these new requirements. Challenger banks or smaller firms trading in crypto assets that don't necessarily have the many, many years of experience around compliance. And if they are going to be regulated by the FCA, they need to make sure that they're adhering to the FCA rules. And that's going to be interesting from a communications perspective, because you also expect these firms not to deal in the traditional emails and things like that. They are going to be probably primarily focused on things like Slack and Teams and, and the encrypted applications that we're talking about, WhatsApp, WeChat. So I think it's going to be quite challenging for them to get up to speed. So it'll be interesting to see what guidance the FCA give around that when that does come into play. But people need to get ahead of the game, right? Because it's a massive opportunity. It's one of the biggest opportunities from the last 10, 15 years in terms of these banks being able to have a new product line, making money, right? One other thing, AI has a lot to show. I don't think we're at the peak yet of the innovation when it comes to that. And what that means then, obviously, from the communication space is things are going to get better. Things are going to get cheaper because... That's a concern that many companies have. Beyond that, I'm, I'm sure I'll have a different answer for you in six months. But for now, I think we've covered off most of what I see happening, at least in the first two quarters of this year. Lastly, what's one takeaway you'd like listeners to remember from this episode? 
get out there and learn what you can about AI. Don't be scared of it. I know a lot of people, and me included, when I first played around with ChatGPT, I think it was the day that it was released, I played around with it until like three in the morning. And I went through a range of emotions. You, the first thing is, well, this is going to replace my job, right? And I think a lot of people think that it won't. New jobs are going to get created. But what you've got to do is skill yourself up. And the, the good news is that it's easy to do that, right? Learn what you can. Go to ChatGPT and ask it some questions about what large language models are and what AI is doing and why is it so different now compared to what AI was five years ago. Keep on top of the news on AI and make sure that you're just aware of what is going on. You don't necessarily need to know the technical ins and outs, but if you have a better understanding of what it is and what it isn't, I think it's going to certainly help you in your job. Okay, well, thank you very much, Sean. We've covered a lot of ground today and it'd be interesting to see how the industry navigates the challenges that you've raised and perhaps we should get you back on in six months to talk about the blind spots that we're seeing then. Thank you very much, Lucy. You've been listening to Following the Rules with Lucy McNulty. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on all the usual channels. It helps other people get to know us too.